sometimes you need to hit the pause button as a clinician um, and a researcher and say, hang on, this is what my underlying assumption is. We want to be evidence-based practitioners, but in fact, this is just how we should practice. Ethics is every part of every clinical decision that we make. And what it is that we do is we make lives better. Welcome to Speak Up, the Speech Pathology Australia podcast. This podcast series highlights conversations with esteemed contributors in the speech pathology space. We explore key issues in the profession in a short and easy to listen to format. Let's hear what this week's contributors have to say. Welcome to this week's Speech Pathology Australia podcast. Today we are releasing a short podcast to alert speech pathologists about the recently released guidance document on service delivery, clinical practice and infection control implications for speech pathologists during the COVID-19 pandemic. My name is Kim Teresi and I'm the Senior Advisor of Ageing and Aged Care at Speech Pathology Australia. I'm joined here today by Trish Johnson, the Manager of Ethics and Professional Issues at Speech Pathology Australia. Welcome Trish. Hi Kim, uh, it's great to be talking with you today because we're aware that this is uh, an area of great interest for our members and the profession as a whole. And today it would be useful if we think if we introduce the guidance material in a general sense and talk a bit about some of the considerations that we're where speech pathologists need to have and some of the resources that we'll be developing. So Kim, if you want to go through why did we develop this guidance? I guess uh, Speech Pathology Australia was aware of the emerging evidence that was highlighting particular risks and considerations for speech pathologists, um, you know, particularly as we engage in particular uh, clinical practices and procedures, uh, often related to our swallowing or, or voice work particularly. Um, we're aware of guidance material coming out through other professional groups such as our ENT colleagues and I guess as with everyone in this situation with the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, getting to, to see and learn from our overseas colleagues' experience as well. So um, particularly, you know, for all of us watching what's happening in the US and, and the UK at the moment, um, also aware that the Royal College of Speech-Language Therapy and ASHA were releasing documents providing some guidance to their uh, professional groups around specific procedures and it was something that obviously was of immense interest locally to speech pathologists. So, yeah, we've um, undertaken to try to uh, pull some initial guidance together obviously in a really short time frame compared to what we would normally look to do such a task. And um, I guess we've, you know, our purpose today is to um, alert everyone to um, be aware of the existence of the document and to be aware of going to the link on a regular basis to see the updates because um, this is a document that will need to be um, quite organic and emerging and, and responsive to as emergence, emerging literature comes through um, and practice implications, um, I guess, become more and more apparent for us as things go on. So um, I guess we'd 
we'd like to stress those two points that the document is there um, for people to go to access on the Speech Pathology Australia website under the COVID-19 information page. Um, but it's also really important not to just um, look at the document per se, but also to go to the link each time because it is something that we will um, tr be trying to undertake regular revision to. Um, I guess Speech Pathology Australia, though, is looking you know, as broadly as possible at how we might be providing support to members at this time in this area. Um, Trish, maybe could you touch upon what other sorts of supports we might be looking to provide as an association at this time? Certainly, yes. Thank you, Kim. We're aware that this document currently contains a lot of material that is specific to dysphagia and voice procedures and uh, members who are working in with other caseloads, for example, with paediatric language or uh, literacy, are uh, uh, indicating that they have questions about how are they, uh, should they be considering this document and the guidance relating to their particular caseload. Uh, Nadia and I, Nadia Marazinski, who's the ethics advisor, and I recorded a webisode yesterday that hopefully will be up on the website soon and we're planning to distribute that through the social media platforms as well talking about how to consider the information in the document as guidance for your decision making so it's not there to say necessarily do this or don't do that although there are some very clear guidance statements regarding specific procedures for other caseload types it's a document that provides a framework for supporting decision making so there are uh, considerations within the document regarding should I be seeing clients face-to-face, -face, so what is considered to be essential at this time and what could be undertaken through other means. So how do I make decisions regarding that? Using the information that you have to hand, but also maybe seeking some other information, so looking into what the uh, individual's risk factors are, so things like going through the, the symptom-checking uh, questionnaires that people have been devising regarding symptoms, travel, history, those sorts of factors that can assist speech pathologists to make the appropriate decision about how I'm going to provide the service that is required. Um, mm. Hopefully, as I said, this website will be published as soon as we can so that uh, it will help people to understand how to use the document in that frame, yeah, with that as a framework rather than as a specific, uh, as I said, uh, dot point, do this, don't do that. It's really mm. there to guide people and we're looking to, as, as the information uh, comes to light and more is known about uh, the pandemic and how uh, people in general as well as health practitioners should be responding to the uh, issues that are arise because of the, the virus, we will be, as Kim said, we will be revising the document regularly and providing further resources as we understand what people require. So, Kim, what's mm. the next step that we're going to be taking? Well, as we've alluded to, in terms of the document, we, we understand that we've got more work to do to continue to um, reflect, revise and um, update as we need to going forward. But I guess we'll also look to um, hopefully provide some more um, in-depth podcasts coming, coming up in, in the near future just to reflect on what are some of the um, key 
clinical implications, I guess, of the content in the document. Uh, and just as you mentioned, Trish, there's that, um, there's there's both the um, content that is giving very specific guidance around specific procedures, but then there's also the the situation of needing to use the, um, yeah the 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 information the information there is a bit of a framework for guidance for thinking through how you approach things on a case by case basis otherwise with your other um, clinical work so. Um, yeah, I guess we will be uh, working working through things as we can over the next little while. As with everyone, it's a, it's a really a rapidly evolving situation that we're all trying to um, run with at the moment. That's right, Kim, thanks. And uh, we're seeking to provide as much support as we can for members. So please still send in your questions and thoughts and if there's any particular area that you are wanting to speak with one of, one of us about, please provide your details and we'll get back to you as soon as we can because we're all working remotely to keep our distance and practice uh, the infection control that we need to. Mm, absolutely. And I just... Um also make a plug for those members who maybe haven't quite joined up yet in terms of our Facebook communities, um, this would be a good time to, to really consider that because of the rapid nature of um, information that's coming to hand. Often that's um, an initial point that we can get information out to the, the profession really quickly. So, um that's something to think about if, if people haven't yet joined the Facebook communities. Um, I'm moderating the Ageing and Age Care page, but we have a number of different uh, pages across clinical practice available. But, but do tune into those because that's where we're placing a lot of immediate information too. Certainly. And uh, for those members who are in the public sector, please don't hesitate to ask to join the private practice Facebook group as well. That is one of the most um, active groups we have and a lot of issues that are across all sectors are discussed there. So don't let that put you off if you're interested to have a look at the discussions and information available on, in that Facebook group as well. Thanks for your time, Kim, this morning. And uh, I'm sure we'll be providing more information as it comes to hand and uh, watch this space. Definitely. Thanks for your time too, Trish. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your colleagues. Thank you for listening and bye for now.